Well, let's talk. That's what I began with last week was this subject of let's talk. And it's one of those things that the Word of God gives us direction in, and yet a lot of times we've made it so religious and so spiritual that we've missed out on it. So I want you to take your Bibles today and go to the book of Matthew, the sixth chapter, or whatever you've got the Word of God on. And as you're doing that, let me say hello to the campuses that are joining with us. I'm glad you're with us today. I'm thankful each week to be able to talk with you and to share God's Word with you. My name is Eddie Couples. I'm the lead pastor for Love and Truth Ministries. And week after week, we gather in different locations, but we come together for the Word of God that increases our understanding of what God has for our lives. So would you get ready to receive what God says today? The book of Matthew, the sixth chapter, it's a very familiar passage. Uh, beginning in the ninth verse, says, In this manner, therefore, pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. In old school today. And so as we look at what the Word of God says to us and what the Word of God speaks into our lives, He talks to us about talking to Him. We call it prayer. We've made it very religious. We've made it very theological. And yet God says, here's what I want to do. I want to talk with you every day. I want to spend time with you. In the cool of the day, the Bible says in the book of Genesis that God came and He spent time with Adam and Eve. He has not changed His mind. He still wants to spend time with His children. Day in and day out, He wants to talk with you. And we begin last week in that passage where it says, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be Thy name. And we begin to talk about how that you and I have the right to approach the throne of God because of what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross that you and I have been given the right. It's a covenant right, the Scripture says, that we have a right to approach the throne of God boldly to make our petitions known unto the Lord. God has established a way where you and I have the right each day to go to Him and to say, Lord, this is what's happening in my life. But the Bible says that there's a way to do that. It says that you're to enter His gates with thanksgiving and into His courts with what? praise, right? And, and so that's, that's what we do. In, in the first part of that verse there, he says to us, here's how you pray, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Now, it's interesting that Jesus would say that because you have to understand the culture of that day. The culture of that day was is that you did not pronounce the name of God. You would not say God. You would not say Jehovah. Uh, in fact, if you were to even write that name, it would be recumbent upon you to go and to change clothes, take a bath, and to come back out because it was such a holy name to say. And yet Jesus says to his disciples, when you pray, here's how you pray. Don't pray in a mysterious, far-off manner. He said, pray this way, our Father. He brings it right down into the reality of daily life and says, here's how God wants to relate to you. God wants to relate to you as a father. God wants to be that close one in your life who you can take everything to. And the Bible says that when you come to our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. In other words, to set apart the name of God. We talked last week about the compound names of God in the Old Testament, of how that He is Jehovah Jireh, the Lord God our provider, how He is Jehovah Nissi, the Lord God our banner. He He's Jehovah Rapha, the Lord God, your healer. And as you begin to thank Him for who He is, 
You begin to focus, and that's what we talked about last week, was getting our lives focused on the Lord. Not focusing on the problems and the difficulties around us, but literally focusing upon God and what God can do in our life. But guess what? He didn't stop there. He didn't say that's all that prayer is. He said, here's how you pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom, what? Come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, let me ask you a question today. How many of you believe that the will of God is being done in heaven? Right? I mean, I, I think that's pretty well 100% of us. We, we believe that the will of God. In fact, if you, if you don't believe that the will of God is being done in heaven, ask Satan. Satan found out real quick, if you get out of the will of God in heaven, you go somewhere else. All right? And, and so we know that the will of God is being done in heaven. And yet God tells us, Jesus tells us here, He says, here's how you pray. Pray, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In other words, God is telling us that you and I have the responsibility and we have the authority to bring the kingdom of God to this earth and to establish what God wants to do in this world. Now, a lot of us spend a lot of times complaining about this world. This old world's in trouble. This old world's a mess. This old world's this. This old world's that. Could I say something to you, to believers especially today? Could it be that the reason that the world is in such a bad shape is because Christians haven't done the job we're called to do? Just a thought. Could it be that we don't understand the power that has been left to us? See, here's what we need to understand about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is just the presence of God. When we talk about establishing the kingdom of God, here's, here's what you need to understand. If you are a Christian, if you are a believer who Jesus Christ lives in, wherever you go, there is the kingdom of God. Wherever you show up, wherever you go to, the kingdom of God is there. It is the presence of God that dwells in you. Jesus said it this way. He said, I and my Father are going to come, and we're going to establish our authority in your life. We're going to set up our throne room inside of you. So wherever you go, the kingdom of God is there. But the kingdom of God is not just the presence of God. It genuinely is this. If you research it and look it up, the kingdom of God is God's way of doing things. Anytime you go into a kingdom, there are ways to do things. If you were to leave the U.S. today and you were to fly to England, there are different ways to do things in that kingdom. You're going to drive on a different side of the road or you're going to get run over. You're going to use a different currency. You're going to do things in a different manner. You're going to speak English in a more proper way than the good old southern way. Right? I mean, there, there's all kind of things that are different about a different kingdom. And Jesus said this, you are to establish the kingdom of God upon this earth. You are to establish God's way of doing things in this world. Now, here's the deal. It's, it's like we've been given, oh, let me just use this. A, a, a few months back or a year or so back now, uh, I, I had a car dealer who called me. And he said, I've got a car for you. He said, I want you to come down and get it. I want you to drive it for a few days. Now, what he didn't tell me was that this car had a 500-horsepower motor in it. So he tells me all about the car. It's a beautiful car. It's a nice car. It's a wonderful car. He shows me the car. He says, this is the car for you. He said, drive it for a few days and see what you think. So I get in the car. I crank the car. I start the car. I get out on the road. And I say, what can this car do? And I uh, <clears throat> pressed the accelerator. 
And all of a sudden, that AMG motor, some of you will understand what it was, caught. And I was going faster than my guardian angels could fly just like that. In fact, I called him up, and I said, you didn't tell me this thing would outrun my angels. See, that's the way a lot of us are in the kingdom of God. God has given us power, and we're puttering around. We're running 20 miles an hour when you've got the ability to run wide open. God's given you the power inside of you, and yet we don't use the power. We talk about how bad things are. We talk about how we're never going to get ahead. We talk about all these things, and yet watch what Jesus said. Jesus hangs on a cross, suspended between heaven and earth, and Jesus cries out right before his death, and he says, it is finished. And the Bible says that when he cried out, it is finished, the veil of the temple was rent from top to bottom, signifying that mankind now had access into the very presence of God. All of a sudden, man wasn't separated from God. Now God was living inside of human beings. And we were given the power. We were given the authority now to operate in a dimension that we never had before. You and I have been given the, the right, the Bible says, to be heirs and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Do you realize, if you want to know how the kingdom operates, then look how Jesus operated. Do you realize that Jesus never was stressed out a day in his life? I mean, I, I see Christians all the time. Man, I'm just under stress. Oh, pastor, pray for me that I'm not under stress. Pastor, oh, it's, it's hard. Wait, wait a minute. Jesus was, you know how I know Jesus wasn't under stress? He says to the boys, hey, we're going to the other side. He goes into the back of the boat. He sleeps. The wind and the waves start tossing the boat. It's about to turn over, and Jesus sleeps through every bit of it. He's not stressed. In fact, they wake him up, and it's kind of like, hey, why are y'all bothering me? Right? What did he say to him? Oh, ye of little faith. Right? Oh, ye of, why, why are you, I just told you we are going to the other side. Listen, let me help some of you. If Jesus tells you you're going to the other side, you may have wind, you may have a storm, you may have waves that are rolling, but I promise you, you are going to get to the other side because Jesus said we're going to the other side. Jesus lived that way. I mean, think about it. There never, there wasn't, there never, ever, ever was a need that Jesus couldn't meet. If he sees a sick person, he heals them. If he needs money, he sends Peter to fish. Now, that's a pretty cool story, right? I mean, that, that's a pretty, you y'all you, do read the Bible, right? I mean, I know you bring it to church to look holy, but you, you do read it, right? He, Peter comes to Jesus one day and says, uh, Jesus, they're telling us we need to uh, pay our taxes. And Jesus said, well, we really don't have to because we're not of this world, but so we don't mess up the system, let's pay them. And Pete says, we don't have any money. Jesus said, well, go take a line and a pole and go down to the fishing hole. I don't know he said it that way. but He did say, get a line and a hook and go. go. Now, Peter's used to fishing with nets. That day, Jesus said, get a line and go down, catch a fish, and open its mouth, and when you do, you'll find the money to pay. And the Bible says that Peter went to there and caught the fish, opened it up, and then inside the fish's mouth is a gold coin, enough to pay Jesus' taxes, Peter's taxes, and some left over. Now, my philosophy is, is that Peter fished the rest of the day. <laughs> Come on, if you, Jesus, if you can do it once. <laughs> right? Yeah. Some of y'all are no fun. All right? So, so Jesus, there's, there's nothing that's missing. There's nothing that's out of kelter in his life. And so Jesus tells you and I, here's what I want you to understand. You have the right daily 
to establish the kingdom of God. Last week we talked about focusing on the kingdom of God. Today we're talking about establishing God's kingdom. Uh, it, it's interesting to me when, when I begin to understand that establish means uh, to, to make it a law, to make it something that is firm, that does not move. Here's what God's saying to us. Listen, I've brought you into the kingdom, but now it is your responsibility to do something. See, a lot of us are praying, uh, well, Lord, if you want to bless me, I'll just be blessed. If you want to do good things, I'll... No, no, no. Do, do you remember what the Scripture says about Jesus? It said, He has ascended upon high and sat down at the right hand of the Father. Now, how many of you know when a man sits down, when he gets home, he ain't getting back up? No, come on. He kicks the recliner out. Ladies, you know it's over. His work is done. Jesus sat down and said, my work in the fire. In fact, the Bible says he is waiting until his enemies be made his footstool. What, how are the enemies of, of Jesus going to be made his footstool? The Bible says that you have been given the power, the church has been given the authority that whatever we bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever we loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So is there a possibility, church, is there a possibility, believer, that the reason that the world is in the mess that it's in is not because of the world, but it is because the children of God are not establishing the kingdom of God the way that we ought to be and doing what God has called us to do? Just a thought. So how do we go about Establishing the kingdom of God, and in what areas of our life do we need to do it? And I'm going to give you four major areas that I think the Word of God tells us that we need to establish God's kingdom. And number one is you need to establish the kingdom of God in yourself. Pretty good place to start, isn't it? I mean, it's it's great to try to take care of everybody else, but sometimes we really ought to start with us. And and so we need to be sure that we are right before God. Let me ask you a question today, and, and, I, and I want everybody to look at your neighbor and make sure they participate, all right? Because this is a, participate, a, partip, a participatory question. There you go. Here's what I want to ask you. Have you ever sinned? Now, just, just, just make sure that your neighbor, if they don't, just, just elbow them real good, all right? <laughs> all right. Now, I think that's universal. The Bible thinks it's universal. All have sinned. Now, here's what, here's what we need to get to today. The thing about sin is, is that sin makes you a coward. You say, Pastor, what do you mean? Have you ever sinned, and don't raise your hand, have you ever sinned and then something come in your life and, and you know that you need to stand up and be a believer and, and take the authority of the Word of God, but that thing that you did is back there, and you go, oh, I can't do that. And you start backing up. But let it happen on a day where you've prayed, and you've been in the Word, and you had not cussed anybody out, and yet. I mean, let, let it be one of those days. Man, you're bold as a lion. I tell you what, devil, get behind me in the name of Jesus. I command you to come down right now. It's my authority. It's my Why? Because when you are walking in the authority that God has given you, there's no fear. So the first thing that we need to do is we need to be establish the kingdom of God in us. We need to be sure that we are right in the sight of God. Why? Because today we're going to go forth and we are going to be more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ who loved us and gave himself for us. 
So I need to pray. Lord, I, I just pray today that your kingdom is established in me. I, and, and one of the things I would encourage you to do, so a lot of us are visual, and, and what I would encourage you to do is just shut your eyes as you're praying there and just picture Jesus sitting on the throne of your heart. Lord, I just ask you today, would you just come into my life today in a fresh way and just be the Lord of my life. Sit on the throne of my heart today, God. I am praying today that you would be the Lord of my life. And God, I pray today that the priorities that you have for me is how I'm going to live today. I'm going to live out your priorities. I'm going to do what you want me to do and live the way that I, I need to live. And then begin to pray about things that are going to happen today. Maybe, maybe tomorrow morning you've got a big report due at the place that you work. And you know that it's going to determine your future. It's going to determine how your promotion. It's going to well, Why in the morning, instead of freaking out all the way to work, wondering if you've done your best, you give it due diligence, why don't you just go to God in the morning, take that report, kind of like the king did in the Old Testament, and just kind of hold it out to God and just say, Lord, you see what I've done. And I'm just asking you today, as I give this to the person who's my boss, I pray today that you would anoint it, that it would be empowered. And God, I just declare today that I am going to receive a promotion because of what I have done according to your word. What would happen if we began to pray that way? Instead of being fretting and worried and stressed out all the time, what if we begin to ask God to empower our abilities? Lord, I ask you to take the abilities that I have and use them to a greater manner than I have ever seen before. Give me wisdom. Give me understanding. The Bible says if any person lacks wisdom, if you'll ask God, he will give you wisdom and he'll give it to you generously. What would happen if you begin to start your day that way? Lord, I just pray today in my life the priorities are, are right. Lord, I pray today that I'll, I'll be efficient, that, that your might will operate through me. I mean, just on and on and on. You, you're just going on and saying, Lord, today I just believe that your priorities are being established. I wonder if the kingdom of God would not come and the will of God would not be done in your life if you'd start your day that way. But we don't want to just pray for ourselves. That's kind of selfish, right? Proper response was right. Okay? So secondly, we need to pray for our families. You need to pray for your mate. If you're married, you need to pray for your mate. If you're not married and want one, maybe you pray for them. Just pray for the right one. All right? Uh, pray for your children. Pr pray for other family members. You say, well, Pastor, uh, you know, if, if you just knew my family. When was the last time you prayed for them? When, when was the last time that you intentionally took time to establish the priorities of God for your family? Today, Lord, I pray for my mate. In, instead of rehearsing the last fight that you had all the way to work and going in and complaining to all your coworkers, well, glory to God, amen. That's pretty good marriage counseling right there. I don't care who you are, all right? All right. And instead of talking about how bad you've been treated by your mom and dad, instead of all these things that we do, what would happen if we begin to establish the kingdom of God over our families? 
that we begin to say, you know what, today, I believe that as my children go to school today, that they're going to be anointed, they're going to be empowered. God, I declare they're going to do well on their test today. They're going to do well in school today. God, there's not going to be any bullying today. You're going to put a hedge of protection about them. No drugs or alcohol is ever going to come into their life. Lord, I just declare over my family today. I wonder what would happen in our families if we would start praying that way instead of waiting till we have to go down to juvenile hall to start praying. I'm doing pretty good preaching. You're not amen and near as good as I'm preaching. All right? There, there needs to be an understanding that we need to pray over the needs of our family. What are they needing today? What, what's going on in their life? What's going on in their world? God, I pray today for their needs. I, I pray today, Lord, for righteousness, peace, and joy to be on their lives. I mean, think about that. What would begin to happen in the dynamics of your family? And pray over their salvation. You, you, every one of us in here, everyone watching me today, you've got family members that need to be saved. You've got people that need to come in a relationship with Jesus Christ that are part of your family. What would happen if you begin to pray for them? I'll tell you what would happen. Heaven would begin to take notice. You say, Pastor, I've been praying for five years. We'll pray five more. I've been praying for ten years. Pray ten more. I've been praying for 20. Keep on praying. Don't stop because the Bible says that your prayers are before the Father like incense that's ever living. Keep on praying. I, I have seen God answer prayers after people have died and gone on to heaven, and God would begin to answer prayers that they prayed for years and years. You know what? Those prayers are powerful. Keep on praying for those children. Keep on praying for those grandchildren. Keep on praying for that lost mom or that lost dad. Don't give up. Just continue every day. God, I'm coming to you. I know I told you yesterday. I know I told you last week, last month, and last year, but I'm coming today, and I'm believing for my household to be saved. I'm believing for every one of my kids to go to heaven. I'm believing for my grandchildren to serve you. I am declaring today over my life, salvation is coming in my family. But don't only pray for your family. That gets a, that's all good. But we ought to pray for our church. Amen. We, we ought to pray for our church. You say, well, who should we pray for at our church? Well, first of all, you ought to pray for your pastor. You say, that's selfish. I know it. But I got the mic. <laughs> All right, let, let, me, let me explain something to you, and I want to do this in a careful manner. But understand what I'm going to say. If the enemy trips up a saint in the church, there's some fallout. It's, it's not good. We look around and go, oh, man, I hate that happened to them. And two or three people get affected or a family gets affected. But if the enemy can trap a pastor, if the enemy can get a man or a woman who's a public figure and he can get them to fall, the enemy scatters the sheep. The Bible says, strike the shepherd and the sheep scatter. And the enemy knows that if he can get a pastor, if he can get a, a, a one who is in the line, if he can get them to sin, then he knows that not only are one or two people impacted, but hundreds, thousands, even possibly tens of thousands of lives are touched. And so I want to tell you, every day you ought to pray, not just for Sherry and I, but you ought to pray for your entire pastoral staff, that God would touch them. Those of you who are at campuses today, you need to be praying for your pastoral staff. Every day you're praying and saying, God, put a hedge of protection about them. Anoint them. Direct them. I, I want to tell you something about being a pastor. You don't make all the right decisions. 
All right? I've been here for 13 years. I pastored another church before this one for 20 years. I guarantee you I have made a boatload of bad decisions. But you know what? I'm just going to keep going. Because the only people that I know that aren't making bad decisions are six feet under. And I don't want to be one of those guys. So pray. Pray for, instead of not understanding or instead of time saying, well, I don't know why they did that. And, and, and sometimes you might ask me and I might not even know why we did that. But you know what? Pray for wisdom. Pray that your pastoral staff has, are a channel of the Holy Spirit. Pray for the leadership of the church, not just pastoral, but the leaders that are within our leaders over ministry, over I serve team. Pray for them. Whatever team you're a part of, pray uh, for those. And, and then look around the crowd, the, the congregation that you serve in, and, and the people that you go to church with, and people you've built relationships with. Pray for their needs. If somebody's going through a tough time, why don't you hold them up before the Lord? You know how great it is to have somebody to walk up to you and say, you know what, I thought about you this week and I prayed for you. Tell me, how's the situation with your mom? Tell me, how's the situation going at your job? Tell me, whatever the issue, it is, it is the, one of the greatest feelings that you can have when another person that you're in relationship with in the church comes by and says, I've been praying for you this week. You say, well, Pastor, nobody's ever done that for me. Well, let me ask you a question. Have you ever done that for anybody? Because here's what the Bible says. Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Could it be that this sermon, out of everything I'm going to talk about today, that this one point, God's speaking to some of you and saying, why don't you start praying for somebody that you're in relationship with? And when you do, then I will begin to put people into your life that will pray for you and for your needs. See, you need, you need to pray that God will use people in his kingdom. Lord, I, I just pray today that, that these people that I'm in relationship will become everything that you intend for them. Instead of always looking at their faults. Do any of you have faults? Anybody? Wow, some of you are perfect. I love that. I really do. I just hadn't spent much time with you. Could, could you get with me after church? Because I definitely need to get to know you. All right. Come on. We, we know, right? But instead of, instead of always worried about their faults, what if we started praying for one another that God would use them to do something great? and wonderful in his kingdom. Begin to pray for faithfulness. Lord, we just, we just pray that people will be faithful to the house of God, faithful to the things of God, faithful to the vision and to the church and to the anointing that you've placed on their life. God, they're just faithful in everything. I wonder what would happen if we started praying that for one another. I challenge you this week. I challenge those of you watching this week. Why don't you start praying for five people that you go to church with? Five people every day. Would, would, come on. I'm challenging you, five people every day, and say, Lord, I'm going to pray for them. I'm going to pray your blessings on them. I'm going to pray for the faithfulness of God. I'm going to pray for them every day. Let me, let me give you another thing to pray for, and then we're going to go into the last point. You need to pray for the harvest as well. Amen? The Bible says, pray you therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into the harvest field. I want to tell you, uh, all around West Tennessee, all around this area, there are a lot of people who still need Jesus. Amen? 
I, I, I know people, I see people all the time, I talk to people all the time who still need a relationship with Jesus Christ. In fact, if every church in West Tennessee and Middle Tennessee and East Tennessee were filled today, there would still be a whole lot of people that need Jesus Christ and need to come into the kingdom of God. And so we can't quit praying for the harvest. Lord, would you draw in the harvest? Would you send forth laborers in the harvest? God, we are believing that the harvest is coming in. Amen. And the last thing I think we ought to pray for and establish the kingdom of God every day in, we need to establish the kingdom of God in our nation. Amen. I wonder what would happen to Christians. Let me back that up. I wonder what would happen to our nation if Christians spent as much time praying for our officials as we do complaining about our officials. Amen. Now, come on. Don't tighten up on me. There are a lot of things I don't like about Congress. There's a lot of things I don't like about the Senate. There are a lot of things I don't like about the President. There are a lot of things I don't like about the Supreme Court, on and on and on. But I wonder what would happen if I would pray as much as I complain. The Bible says clearly to each and every one of us that we are to pray for those who are in authority over us. Now, the great thing about America, if you don't like it, you can vote them out, right? So I think, I think if you don't vote, you shouldn't say anything. Well, hallelujah. That's not political. That's just the way I believe it, all right? I believe we ought to be involved in the process. But once that happens, then you and I as believers are called to pray for those who are in authority over us. So why don't we begin to pray for our president? Why don't we begin to pray for your elected officials uh, in, in your county and in, in your city? and in your? What if we begin truly to pray for them and say, God, we believe that you're going to raise them up? What would happen if revival came to Capitol Hill? What if a, a, a spirit of revival would hit Washington, D.C.? You say, I don't believe it's ever going to happen. It has in the past. You read, the, you read American history, and you'll find out that there's been great moves of God in our nation's capital on more than one occasion. The Bible says righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. We ought to be praying for our nation. We ought to be praying for our leaders. We need to ask that the Spirit of God would help these men and women to implement what God says is righteous and holy. We've implemented a lot of things over the past 25 or 30 or 40 years that God says are an abomination. We've instituted a lot of things that God's heart is grieved about. We've instituted things across the line, not, not just moral issues, but across the line that God's heart is grieved about. What if we would come as a nation and say, you know what? We believe everybody has the right we believe everybody is equal. We believe everybody is loved by God. We, we don't hold that at any stretch. I, I believe God loves us. I don't care what our issues are, what our lifestyle is. God loves us, and he's going to continue to love us. But God also tells us as a nation, when you exalt unrighteousness, it's a reproach to your nation. What would happen if revival came to America? It would change the way that we conduct ourselves. It would change the way that we live. But it's never going to happen as long as all we can do is complain about what's happening with our leaders. The Word of God says we're to pray. And so here's what God tells us. He says it's up to you what kind of life you're going to get. 
say, Pastor, that sounds kind of harsh. No, that's what he says. He said, it's up to you to pray, kingdom of God come, will of God be done on earth as it is in heaven. I wonder if we really came to the point that we really believe that, what we would do. If you really believe you could change your circumstances and change your destiny and change your future, would you begin to daily spend time establishing the kingdom of God? I challenge you. Try it. Give yourself a trial period and say, you know what? Every day I'm going to establish the kingdom of God in me, my family, in my church, and in my nation. And I'm going to believe God to do powerful things. Amen? Listen, I'll, I'll close with this. We, we pray as a, as a staff, and, and many of you pray with us when we meet on, in our corporate prayer times. And one of the things that we've prayed through the years is, is, God, we want this to be a holy place. We want this ground literally to be holy ground. I, I believe it can be. I, I believe this almost 30 acres that we own on this property and all the other properties that Love and Truth stands on, I, I believe those can be holy places. And one of the things that we've prayed is, we've prayed, God, even as people drive by on the road, let the Holy Spirit draw them. That's establishing the kingdom of God, right? And, and, and Cheryl, who works in our, our media department, sent an email the other day and said, Pastor, uh, at the end of the service, and I was out in the media department and, and getting, selling some CDs, and said this person came up to me just weeping. And she said she was driving by the church that morning. And said as she drove by, said she was planning on going somewhere else. But as she and her mom drove by, she said there was something that drew her in to that parking lot. She said when she walked into the building, she felt something. She said the worship touched her life. And that morning as I preached, she said exactly what I needed to hear was preached that morning. I want to tell you, that's establishing the kingdom of God on this earth. I wonder what would happen if all of us corporately would begin to not only do that for this location, but we would begin to do that for our lives. What is it God could do for you as you establish his kingdom?